Hey dreamers, today I'm talking with Kat Loterzo. Did I, did I nail did I nail your name right? Perfect. Nice work. Awesome, thank you. <laughs> Who is making her dreams come true by kicking the butt of the one percent. Welcome to the show, Kat. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for coming on. It's uh, it's a pleasure to have uh, such an accomplished uh, coach and, and author and speaker come here uh, to the Dreamers podcast. Yeah, it's awesome to be here. Excited to have a chat and uh, to see what we can um, share with your audience. Yeah, all the way uh, from Australia, right? Right. I'm on the Gold Coast in Australia right now. I'm from Melbourne originally, but um, transplanted up to the Gold Coast because it's a great lifestyle for kids and my husband and myself as well. Oh, that's awesome. Very cool. Well, Kat, why don't we get started by giving some background about yourself? Yeah, so I'm I'm an author, a speaker, and a, a success mentor, I guess is the best way to say it. And I work with entrepreneurs, leaders, artists, uh, celebrities, performers, anyone who essentially identifies themselves as being that 1% type person who wants to dominate their industry and their niche and really make a difference in the world. And they also, they want to be unashamedly super rich, super famous, uh, but have a huge impact as well. And that's what I do now. And it's been kind of a gradual evolution because where I actually started was uh, I was a fitness coach and I was a personal trainer. And so I grew up wanting to be a lawyer and wanting to be super successful uh, and wanting to, oh, sorry, I just dropped something. Just literally dropped my phone on the floor. Wanting to, you know, um, follow, I guess, a conventional success pathway. And that was always my plan. And as I got towards the end of schooling, I was doing really well. I was very academic and really I was on that pathway where I could have absolutely made it following the conventional, the conventional way, I guess, to make money and to be successful. And it wasn't until I got to the end of schooling that I sort of felt like, well, I don't know if this is what I actually want to do. Um, I don't feel like I want to fit into the normal sort of process. I don't really like being told what to do. I don't really like being under command. And I started to really question everything. So I got into law school, which was always my dream. And it was literally within the first week that I just sort of felt like, oh, I just don't really want to be here. And it was like I lost all motivation to succeed or to achieve, which was really scary at the time because I was used to being this very academic, very good student and kind of used to getting a lot of pats on the head and a lot of pats on the back from um, teachers and from my parents and the like as well. And all of a sudden, I was breaking the rules and I was rebelling against the system, I guess. And at the time, I just thought that I was being really, really irresponsible um, about my life, basically. And it really scared me and I didn't know what to do about it. And so I just kind of floated around for a while and um, I continued to go to university, but I didn't attend my classes really. I was kind of being a little bit of an entrepreneur in the in the retail section of the campus of the college and um, selling facials, giving people facials, which was not something that I was at all qualified to do, but that's what I was doing um, to fill my time at college because I didn't want to tell my parents that I wasn't going to classes. So that way I was still sort of going to school. And then after a while, I, um, I just thought, well, I really don't know what I want to do. I need to figure my life out. And so I did what most people do around that age or what a lot of people do around that age. And I took off to Europe and did like the backpacking thing. And I went for three months. Um, I went to Germany, which is actually where I grew up um, in my teen years, just for several years. My father was transferred there for work. So I went back there, stayed with friends and, um, you know, just explored around Europe for a few months, had an amazing time. I was about 20 or I was 20 when this happened. And what happened on the Europe trip was I gained a little weight 
um, eating my way around Florence and eating a bunch of gelati and stuff. And so I got really um, into the gym when I came back. I started working out a lot and started getting really into fitness. And I was still not sure what I was going to do with my life. And I, I just kind of had this sensation, as a lot of people do, that I was born for more and that I should do something different or something unique and that I was going to make a huge impact in the world in some way. And I sort of always had this feeling like, oh, I'm going to be rich, I'm going to be famous, I'm going to make a lot of money. But I had no clue how that would possibly come about. And so it wasn't like I had a plan. It was just kind of a feeling within me that, no, I don't really think that I'm going to do the normal life thing, but I don't know what to do instead. And so in my head, I was thinking, well, I'm clearly just deluded and kind of crazy with these dreams that I'm, you know, thinking about or talking about in my mind. And I need to get myself together and get sorted and, and you know, get back on the success pathway. Instead, because I was going to the gym all the time and I was working out all the time and I was really into that um, and I was feeling like, okay, I don't know what to do and I guess I've got to get a job, I've got to make a decision. I ended up becoming a personal trainer and it was really just because I was hanging out at the gym all the time and uh, it was, you know, kind of like, well, I was into it, I was passionate about it and I didn't really know what else I was going to do with my life so I decided to do that. It was really like I accidentally created a 13-year fitness career because I, because I gained weight in Europe and because I didn't know what to do. But the truth is that I was passionate about fitness. I was really good at sales. The entrepreneurial spirit has always been strong in me. And so I guess that came out within, it came out within my fitness business. Um, I started to really create a lot of success as a personal trainer and I had a lot of clients. I was getting great results. But what I was always passionate about and what I really wanted to do was to you know, help people to, to get into, I guess, a greater sense of clarity around what they wanted from their life, um, understand their values and kind of understand their purpose and their mission. Now, in my early 20s, I certainly didn't know how to define that, right? So I kind of felt all this stuff inside of me and I certainly read a lot of personal development stuff um, and did a lot of work like that. But I didn't know how to express that or turn that into a business. So instead, what I was doing, I was doing the personal trainer thing. Uh, helping people get in shape, but at the same time, I was always having these mindset conversations with people and conversations about their purpose and what they wanted from their life, and that was what always interested me more, to have these conversations with my clients. It would kind of be like, yeah, yeah, we'll do a workout, and, and then we'll talk about, you know, your values and what you really want from your life and why why it is that you're <laughs> binge eat, why it is that you're binge eating, for example, is not because, you know, you need a better diet or you need to understand calorie control or something. It's because that your life is out of alignment and you're not on purpose, right? So I would just kind of get into these crazy conversations with my clients where people were literally saying to me like, what? like, like they'd be crying sometimes because we were kind of releasing all their stuff and they'd be like, what's going on? I just came in here to do a workout and, you know, how are you, what are you doing to me basically is what I would hear all the time. Everybody has a purpose and a calling and so it was natural for me to, you know, find a way to do that and to talk about that stuff. So from there, I, you know, I, I loved fitness and I loved training people, but I realized over time, well, it's not what I want to do with my life. You know, it's not my career that I'm going to have for the rest of my life to be a personal trainer. So I um, thought, well, how can I leverage this? How can I, you know, find a way where my, my income doesn't depend on doing one-on-one -on -one work all the time? And so what I decided to do was to go online because I'd gone to a fitness conference where they said, well, this is how you become a, uh, a six-figure trainer you need to have an online presence. You need to have a website, basically. So I developed, this was 2007, I built my first website by myself. I literally bought something that was called Website in a Box. Um, and my first website was called Kick Life Training. That was the name of my business. 
And it was a very garish website with black, black background and white font and neon colors everywhere. But that was really where this business and this empire that I've created now and that I continue to create, that was where it all began. So that was essentially a place where I could, you know, give people fitness tips and nutrition tips. But it very quickly grew into me falling back in love with writing, which had been, apart from wanting to be a lawyer growing up, the other thing that I'd always thought I might do is to be a journalist or to be a writer. And I'd always loved writing at school. And I sort of fell back in love with writing as a result of doing the blog. And I realized, wow, this is like a real passion of mine and that my writing was good and that people were responding to it. And I started to get interested in the whole concept of, well, how can I make money online? And I was avidly researching. And at the time, everybody was sort of saying, you know, you can make millions of dollars with eBooks. So I was trying to write an eBook and, and eventually I did. And I launched my first online product. It was called Six Rots of Lasting Weight Loss Revealed. It was a $37 eBook. Um, I didn't make millions with that eBook. However, that eBook was the first online product that I sold. And it has literally been the springboard that turned into what is now a multi-million dollar business. So the fitness business was something I built up for between 2007 and 2012 online. And I gradually evolved from there where eventually or basically what happened is the stuff that I said right back at the start of when I started talking and I talked about what I do now with my entrepreneur leader you know, 1% type clients and, and it's all around success mindset and essentially it's around alignment and then, you know, giving them a bit of a kick to get into action and to actually do the work of stepping up in their business and in their brand and in their life. All of that has just been a gradual evolution from the fitness business, even where I just wanted to talk to people about mindset and about values and about what they really want from their life. And eventually I kind of, well, gradually and painstakingly actually, and then eventually rapidly ripped that band-aid and just started saying what I actually think and doing what I actually want to do but it was certainly a process that I had to go through of you know learning how to I guess step into my power and take ownership of what I feel my true message in the world is wow <laughs> wow okay so um well that, I mean that's that's amazing that you you took all of those steps that you know that eventually led you to where you are now and even if they were um unintentionally taken um <laughs> It's funny how things like that pan out, um, if, yeah. you know, with, with some um, initiative behind it, right? Right, totally. And I think, you know, we, we all want to fast track things in our lives and we all go, okay, how do I get to a million dollars or how do I get in great shape or how do I do this? And then when you get there or when you reach, start to reach your goals in life, you look back and you go, well, there was no possible way I could have actually done that faster. I had to go through whatever process that I went through. So I think that's a big part of what I try and pass on to people is just, you know, be a, like whatever's going on right now. Obviously, you want to aim for the next level and actively work to create the, the, you know, the success that you really want or the results that you really want. But at the same time, be grateful for the journey and be grateful for the process, even for the supposedly tough or bad parts of it, because that's what that's that, you know, that's where your learning comes from. And that's actually what will get you there. Definitely. Um, Kat, I'm curious how your family took uh, like your I don't want to say aloofness, but it, it kind of seemed like early on there was a bit of a, an aloofness there. Do you mean my like my parents? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you know this like this idea that you were not heading towards a um, a life that would be like a standard. Like okay, I got my nine to five or or something to that effect. Yeah, look, I mean, I'm really fortunate. My parents always believed in me, and I grew up being told I can 
can do, like I was literally told over and over again by my parents and by my teachers that you can do whatever you want. You're incredibly intelligent. Um, you're you're going to be incredibly successful. I just had that imprinted into me from a super young age. I knew that I wasn't, like I wasn't sporty or cool or popular, which is funny because then I became a really sporty like fit chick for 13 years. I think I did that partly reactively to wanting to be a cool girl, to be honest. Um, so I wasn't that person in school. I wasn't like the cool popular kid. I didn't feel at the time, like I felt like I was really unattractive. I was really, you know, had a huge self-worth issue as far as like my looks and who I was as a person growing up. I don't know where that really came from, to be honest, but I always, always knew that I was smart, that I was like, I was always the top of the class academically and it was expected. So that was a good thing, I guess, but there was also some downsides to that in terms of growing up. It was expected. You have to be top of the class academically. Sports doesn't matter. Popularity doesn't matter, but you are the best. You must be the best. You must always win at everything. So I definitely still had that mantra in my mind, but it wasn't like my parents were, you know, being, you know, uh, really, really forceful on me. It was just kind of an expectation. And at the same time it was, well, Katrina okay that's my full name not Kat but I'm thinking of my parents now so I'm thinking Katrina Katrina you can do anything you know whatever you set your mind to you're going to achieve and so it was I guess expected that I would follow the normal success pathway and the lawyer thing was always my plan and that fitted within the realms of what my parents obviously understood but at the same time they never I mean to be honest they never questioned me like I was probably more scared of saying oh I'm not going to keep going to university I don't really know whether they worried about that at the time I have talked to my parents about it since and they were like no no we always believed in you we always knew that you were going to make it Um, and my mum shared a story with me very recently she told me this and it really kind of brought tears to my eyes she said that when I was 15, one of the, their um, friends who was a multi-multi-millionaire businessman, and I remember him from growing up. I remember him being a family friend. And he came to stay with us when we were living in Germany. And he was this super successful person, um, probably one of the most successful people my parents knew or that I knew growing up. And he, said, he pulled my parents aside and he said, if your daughter ever asks you for money to invest in anything um, or you know anything that she wants to do, let her do it, give her the money because she's going to make it no matter what she does. So... That really kind of blew me away because somebody who I guess I respected and looked up to saw that entrepreneurial spirit within me at a young age. Um, And it was also, you know, hearing that my parents basically just trusted and knew that I would work things out. So I don't know that, I mean, I, I, I really don't know that they ever worried what am I doing with my life. I think I thought that more. Um, they'd seen me doing all sorts of things from a young age. I mean, I was making $1,000 a week when I was 11 years old as an Avon lady, I was doing door-to-door sales of Avon, you know, multi-level marketing cosmetics. And I, I was selling stuff door-to-door since I was four years old. So I think they kind of knew that I was going to figure it out one way or the other. Yeah, well, it's funny how entrepreneurial, uh, well, entrepreneurship and and salesmanship kind of co- go hand in hand there. Uh, because to get to that level of uh, owning a business and, and having uh, people you know work with you and having people wanting to come to you instead of you trying to go to them uh, really starts at being able to to sell yourself and sell you know the products that you that you have to offer. Right. Exactly. Um, so yeah. So it's it. I mean, it, it's great that it was a natural fit for you, and uh, that's that's wonderful that you had that going from such a young age. To uh, to wanting to make that you know make that money then, um, yeah yeah so, I think it was just ingrained in me. It wasn't even like I sat down and thought about it. It was just it was kind of like breathing. <laughs> well, I, I think for most people that have that 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 aren't you know what do they say entrepreneurs, uh, they have that that uh, some level of that 
already from the get go. You know, it's not like they're trying to learn it, um, learn how to have that drive to want to, you know, sell to people and, and want to talk to people and want to interact and, and all that. Like they just have, they have it in them to begin with. And they're not, that's not the part that you want to be learning because that part can take a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of failure, uh, to get that, you know, to get that down. Right. Exactly. Right. Um, so what's been the biggest roadblock for you then? There's been so many failures, I guess, or struggles or, or stumbling blocks along the way. Um, so I could probably pull out any number of 100 different stories from the nine years that I've been online and, and also the time prior to that that led me to where I am now. But the biggest thing I would say if I look back and think, okay, what was the biggest thing that held me back or that was a stumbling block? It was honestly that I didn't know that I could just choose to believe in myself and be who I am. And I always knew what I really wanted, I, even though I couldn't always fully express it. And I always knew what I was really passionate about, even though I was, couldn't fully express that. But I kind of had this assumption, and I think a lot of people do, that I had to, I don't know, get some kind of divine permission to be who I am, right? Or that I had to maybe evolve to a point where I was good enough to be who I am. And I would look at, like, Tony Robbins, great example, right? I read his books off my dad's bookshelf since I was 11 or 12 years old. So I would look at people like Tony Robbins, Brian Tracy, kind of what I, I call them the godfathers of personal development because I feel like I grew up reading all of these different books and being influenced by these amazing authors and speakers and coaches. But I would look at them and put them in this category up in the sky and be like, okay, well, that's that person and even though I really align with what he's saying, and usually they're all men, usually they're men, um, even though I really align with what Tony Robbins says or with what Zig Ziglar says and so on and so forth, well, that's Tony Robbins, right? So I can't do that. Like I can't just walk around telling people to live their dream life. And, and that was what I always wanted. I always just wanted to motivate people, to inspire and to empower people to know that they can live their dream life, to know that whatever they dream of, they can create into reality and that you just have to do the work. And I've known this for like 20 years but I spent probably the first 10 to 13 or 15 years even of that 20-year period feeling like, well, I can't tell people about that. Who am I to do that? I'm not good enough. And so it was kind of like I went in this massive loop of trying to find every other possible way to be successful or to make money or to follow the rules. And essentially what it was about was that I just didn't know that I could make a choice to trust in myself. So you know, oftentimes people ask me, what's your number one tip or number one piece of advice? And it's always be yourself, trust in, trust in your own intuition and trust in who you are and just be you. But the other part that maybe I don't say actually, and it's really relevant to what I say now, what I'm saying now is you can choose that, right? It's not like you need to get to a point where you are able to trust in your being yourself. You have to actually make a conscious choice to have faith. Faith is a choice. Self-belief is a choice. Even worthiness is a choice. All of these things that we somehow aspire to, like I want to be more confident or I want to believe in myself or I want to just put myself out there. This is all stuff that you can actually just go ahead and choose. Yeah, you know, it's funny when we put ourselves in those shoes of like, oh, well, how do I be that person that I look up to? Um, it turns out that, you know, it's really just about being yourself and that's how they got to where they are as being themselves. Um, generally, or at least a version of themselves that they like to project to other people. But the but the most important part of that is is that it's not projecting um, necessarily somebody else. You know what I mean? Like Tony Robbins isn't trying to project somebody else's image 
um, that he's trying to use as his own. He might be borrowing pieces from things that he's been inspired from from other people, but he puts his mm-hmm. own experience and his own flavor into the pot and then mixes it up. And, and that's where, um, you know, people can identify with that rather than like you just blatantly trying to be somebody else, put somebody else's skin on. Totally. And, and that's a great point. And I think that was part of my struggle for many years. And it's, it's probably something that a lot of people struggle with is I would absolutely look to people who did inspire me and, and people like, okay, Tony Robbins, he really is the best example as far as somebody who inspired me for many years. And I would look at people like him and I would feel like, okay, yes, that's pretty much what I want to do, right? I want to be that kind of author, that kind of speaker. And, and the message is kind of like, that's really similar to my message. So then though, I would try and model him. And it really took me a process and a number of years to finally just realize that, no, no, I'm allowed to just do it my way. I don't have to say things in the way that Tony Robbins says them or that Zig Ziglar says them or, you know, anybody. I can actually just say it my way. And that was a huge part of, I guess, my business breakthrough period um, was just realizing not only that it's about, okay, well, what is it that I really want to share with the world? What's my true message? And giving myself permission to share the message that's inside of me. But also a big, big, huge part of it was giving myself permission to do it in my way by using my sort of language, my sort of vocabulary, um, my kind of particular brand of craziness or, or, or you know, <laughs> awkwardness at times. Or like I can be you know, like I'm like this, I come across as this really extroverted, put together, um, strong alpha woman online. And, you know, I've really like, I've grown out of the whole, I don't believe in myself and I'm not good enough and I'm not pretty enough type thing that I grew up with. That took me a lot of, a lot of years to get over, but I have, but the truth is that I'm still like, I, I do a lot of silly stuff where I make a fool of myself. Like I was live streaming on my Facebook page in Vegas a few weeks ago and I literally poured an espresso martini into my lap instead of taking a drink of it, I just poured it down my front while I was talking and stuff like that, that I do all the time. And I'm like, how does that even happen? Why am I just always walking into walls or falling over things? And these are like silly examples, but it's also something where in the past I would worry about stuff like that. And I'd be like, oh my goodness, I'm making a fool of myself. I look silly or I look awkward or I said something inappropriate. Whereas now, and, and this just came through, I guess, a process of practice and experience. Now, I just, I, don't, I, I just take ownership of who I am, right? So I treat it the same way as if you're hanging out with your good friends, you don't, like you might do something silly and laugh at yourself or you might say something that makes no sense, but you're not going to be like, oh my goodness, are my friends going to break up with me? They don't like me anymore. They hate me. They think I'm not appropriate. They think I'm not professional or something like that. And it's the same in business. So I really just feel that a big part of it to show your true message and do your real work in the world is also to just do it as who you are, you know, and if you're awkward, be awkward. And if you're crazy, be crazy. And if you're aggressive and over the top, be that person, just be who you actually are. And you don't need to apologize for that. Makes it super easy as well. Oh, definitely. And you'll attract those types of people. I I think a lot of times we put those other people that we look up to on a pedestal of like, Mm -hmm. well, they would never be like that. And, um, it, you know, you know, sometimes maybe they are putting on not a facade, but like a certain, you know, the, they only talk a certain way in front of, you know, the when they're like, quote unquote, on right, like on stage or or being recorded versus when they're off. But um, the, the really the easiest and best way to for people to get to know you and feel comfortable and want to be around you is to be more like yourself, you know, and that's and that really speaks to people because they're being themselves all the time, you know, in theory, 24-7. So it's easier to identify with somebody like that. And you're attracting the people that are like them, that, that think the way they do or, 
or want to hear somebody say something like what you're saying. It's not going to be for everybody, but you know, very few people are <laughs> for everybody. Right, exactly. Exactly, and that's what makes it really easy to find and attract your true tribe. And this is, you know, for people who are in the online space, one of the common questions or, um, you know, concerns, I guess, is, well, how do I grow my audience? How do I attract a following? And, I mean, you can do things like Facebook advertising or creating free opt-ins and, and all the standard sort of stuff. But the really easy way to create a, a very loyal tribe and following and build a community of people who really do want to spend money with you and buy from you is to just be who you actually are because you'll automatically, magnetically attract in people who resonate with you, who therefore are fun, cool clients to hang out with. Um, you build a community of people who are actually engaged to you, actually enjoy spending time with and they with you. It's the same as you know attracting in friends or even a partner. If you just be yourself, then you're going to attract in the right friendships and the right relationships that are actually a fit. Whereas if you go into business feeling like I need to portray myself in a certain way or be a particular type of a person in order to build a community and basically I need to put on this kind of mask or you know um, put on some kind of show so that people think that they should follow me, then it means that you then have to maintain that facade, which is just exhausting and, and hard work. But it's also not really possible and you'll never have that true connection with your community. And I really believe in... I call it like soulmate clients. I think I read a blog even a few weeks ago called I Believe in Soulmate Clients or it might have been a video. But it's, what I mean by that is when I speak to any single person in my community and I have tens of thousands of people who follow me, um, so I have people who I know super well who are private clients and then people who are doing like my membership programs and then a ton of people who are more so on my page and in my free groups and stuff. And anytime I speak to somebody though who's in my community, I feel that soulmate connection. I just know that they're meant to be there. I know that if we did happen to meet up and go for coffee or go for a drink together, that we would have an awesome conversation and it would be fun and it wouldn't be like, oh, now I have to go see my client or now I have to call my client or now I'm working, right? So for that reason, you know, people ask, ask me often like how many hours do I work and, uh, you know, ask about the work-life balance and I'm like, oh, it's very hard for me to really even know because I kind of feel like my life is just blended into my business and everything I do in my business when I like when I travel the world, when I go to different cities, the one of my favorite things to do is to meet up and hang out with different clients or people in my community who are all around the world because there is that soulmate client connection where you know the line between client slash friend slash person who you just get along with and have the same beliefs and values as is very, very blurred. Oh, I agree. I lived a very similar lifestyle, but I just love people. Traveling is great, but uh, it, you know, if I couldn't go somewhere and then not meet people or meet people that I already know or whatever, um, I'd rather just stay home. <laughs> uh, right, exactly. Kat, I was curious, other than being a, a rich, famous millionaire, um, what, what was your other childhood dream? It was always to impact people. I always felt this, I, I felt almost like a pressing need, like an anxiety, and I still feel it at times, like this time is running out and that I have to, help people and it was probably almost egotistical because it was a sense of like I need to save people I need to save the world kind of a thing which is rather dramatic but I remember being even at a really young age like seven or eight I remember one particular incident where I was in the schoolyard and we were queuing up for something I don't know what it was we we're in this big queue of students and there was a girl standing in the queue in front of me who was in the class level above me and she was clearly really unsure about herself and, and just kind of had no friends and one of those people that just didn't fit in at school and, and clearly felt it and noticed it. 
Now, the funny thing is I was the cool kid or the, you know, the life of the party type of person. I was very unsure of myself. I definitely always wore the wrong clothing, ate the wrong food. You know, like my mum would give me like alfalfa and peanut butter sandwiches and all sorts of weird stuff. So I never fit in. But at the same time, I remember standing there looking at this girl and feeling like I can help you. I can, I can show you how to, I guess, like step into who you are. Not that I would have obviously expressed it that way in my mind as an eight-year-old or a seven-year-old. But I remember the feeling of it and I remember feeling like, you kind of just need to own your power and you need to choose to believe in yourself. Again, I wouldn't have said it that way at all, but I remember the sensation and the energy of feeling that way looking at this girl, which was very ironic because I definitely needed to do all that stuff for myself as well and and still needed to for many, many years afterwards. But for as long as I can remember, I've always felt that my calling is to impact millions and to speak on stages to tens of thousands of people and really just to, um, I guess, impress upon people that you have one life to live, that, you know, the stuff that's inside of you matters and that you can live a life that's on purpose. And, you know, as much as I'm very pro, like, glamour and being rich and spending money and living, like, an epic lifestyle and I put a lot of stuff out there around those lines, but also if you follow my stuff or you read my stuff, everything that I say is about alignment and about purpose and it has to be in alignment and it has to be about what really matters to you. And, you know, you can make millions, you can have fame and fortune and success, but it's meaningless if it doesn't come from a place of what do you actually mean, what is your life actually meant to be about? So my big thing and the thing that actually drives me, and I would never want to make money without doing this at the same time, is I really just want people to admit to themselves what matters to them and then to take action on that. And, you know, I... I, I walked away from a part of my business that was making me hundreds of thousands of dollars at the time because I had had to acknowledge to myself that I wasn't sharing that message, that I was making money in a way that was just, you know, I was making money, but it wasn't in alignment for me and I wasn't doing, I wasn't following my calling. And so I really, you know, a big part of my business stories, I really fought for several years to find a way where I can actually make the money and live the lifestyle and kind of have the dream rich hot life that I want, but to do it from a place of doing my true work in the world and, and having the impact that I believe that I was born to to have. No, I, I completely identify with that with that as being a uh, you know, a six year old that wanted to be a child psychologist to help other kids uh, going through divorce. Oh wow, so, I love it. Yeah, yeah. So wow. I, I totally, totally uh, identify <laughs> With with feeling that that weight of the world and wanting to help other people and and uh, yeah having having that message of like yeah. there's something bigger here and I don't I mean I, I you I mean you don't really know but I I left my family's um, hundred million dollar business just two years ago just before I started this show wow. so like I wow, you know all my life yeah. <laughs> it's been there it just kind of got ignored for that's a little while. Cool. <laughs> Right. And I think a lot of people who have that kind of burning and that calling within them from a young age often don't realize that they're not alone in that. Um, that it is quite a heavy responsibility. It is rare. I, I don't think everybody walks around feeling that way as a child. And this is, you know, this speaks exactly who my clients are in my community. It's kind of that. And I say this a lot in my blogging and so on. It's, you know, you always know that you, you've always known that you were born for more and that you were born to have an impact. And the money goals and success and fame goals are generally there as well or within my community, they definitely go hand in hand. But the big thing has always been this kind of pressing, burning need or knowledge that you're supposed to do something that's going to help other people and, and essentially almost even change the world. 
And I think that we grow up feeling like, you know, at a certain point we, we start to feel like, well, that's arrogant or it's egotistical or it just doesn't make sense or it's not realistic and doesn't fit into the framework of what success is about as far as what we're taught growing up. So, you know, it, I think the, the process of putting it aside like you, like you did and like I did and like so many people do, it's just almost like a rite of passage, right, that you go through. Okay, I'm going to try every other possible thing to make money or to, to, or to create success and then I'm going to finally come back to the thing that I already knew when I was six years old. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, while I'm not a child psychologist, I do speak to children at schools now. So um, I am getting to help kids on a, on a different level. Um, and that's one thing that I, it, oh, it's a common theme with like pretty much everyone I have on the show is, is that every person I have on the show is like they pretty much even if their dream was to do something different, the core of why they wanted to do that dream is being fulfilled now. In, in some way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. and and I know for myself that's that's a hundred percent true. So uh, I like I love the fact that you you know even though you took a, a long roundabout do, way of doing it, you you've accomplished what you're uh, what you were looking to set out to do uh, many years ago. Yeah. Um. So with all that said, Kat, what uh what do your dreams for the future look like? Well. I want to build my business into a $100 million empire. I want to impact millions and millions of people all around the world to press play, which is the, the my, my sign-off is life is now press play. I've been writing that at the end of my blog post since 2007. I don't remember how I came up with that saying, but it's it's kind of like the message that's been inside of me since I was a child, and that's how I express it. So I really feel a, a burning desire to impact millions and millions of people all around the world. Uh, and to inspire, educate, motivate, and empower them to step up and take ownership of what they want their life to be about. So I have very big money goals, very big fame and visibility goals. I'm actively focusing on be, becoming Hollywood famous this year. And so I've got a potential TV show in the works with a close friend who has a similar message and business to mine and a bunch of other really cool stuff that's super exciting around, I guess, fame and glamour and Hollywood type stuff. Um, but through it all, you know, the biggest thing, the most important thing is I want to get my message out to millions of people and I definitely want to make a lot of money doing that. But at the same time, I want to continue to create, I mean, I create insane amounts of free content every single day. I write a long blog post every day. I do videos, live streams, um, a lot of speaking and that sort of stuff for free as well. So I really just want to get people into action and into empowerment around what they feel that they're called to do in the world and whether I do that through my books. Um, uh, through speaking, through if I do the TV show or whatever other means necessary. It's just my focus is getting my content out there ever more, ever faster, ever more from a place of alignment and flow for me and just really taking down the barriers as far as what I think I need to do in order to be good enough or professional enough or, or successful enough and obviously teaching others to do the same. So it's kind of like it's everything I'm already doing. Um, but just, but expanded basically, cause I'm already completely like, this is my perfect day every day. I'm already living it. It's just expanding it and getting it out to more people. Oh, I, I hear that putting, putting gasoline on that fire to, uh, right. make it even, even brighter and, and burn longer. Um, no, I, I love it. Um, so before we wrap up, Kat, is there any last thoughts you'd like to share before we share how people can connect with you online? I guess, you know, my final thought would be trust in the stuff that's inside of you, the things that you feel where you write about it in your journal or you speak about it maybe in a coaching session or you talk about it to a friend and you feel like this is what I, you know, this is what I care about. This is what I think that it's all about and this is what I really want to talk about or do. Just really 
get over worrying about whether or not you're allowed to, whether or not you're good enough, and also get over worrying about how you're going to do that. If you have something inside of you where you feel like, this is what I want my life to be about, this is what matters, this is what I would love to do, and then you're feeling like, but how do I do that? I need to find the strategy, I need to find the plan. Just put that aside and really just make a conscious choice to commit to whatever it is that you actually want to create without worrying about how to focus on the outcome and really just impress that upon yourself every single day through journaling about it or talking about it or writing about it over and over again, you know, focusing on the vision, focusing on the outcome and then to basically step forth in faith. And, you know, I guess the way that I like to look at it and the final point that I'll share here is if you are already there, if you're already living that life, if you are known in that way or you are doing that particular type of work in the world or you had things going exactly the way you dream of, well, then what would you be doing today right here, right now? What would you be doing in how you show up in your business, in your life um, and inside of you and start to act from that place? Love it. Um, okay. And how can people connect with you online? Uh, great question. Thank you for asking. The best way is to go to my website, which is katlaterzo.com, K-A-T-L-O-T-E-R-Z-O.com. You can grab a free copy of one of my Amazon bestselling books when you join my community through my website. You can also find me on any social media platform and I'm always under katlaterzo. It's pretty easy to find me because as far as I know, nobody else has that name in the world. <laughs> and those, it does make it a lot easier uh, when, when your name is, is able to come up right away when uh, people type it in. Right. <laughs> um, anyway, I really appreciate you taking the time, Kat, today. Uh, it's been wonderful having you on. I'd love to have you on again in the future to catch up and see how you've been doing. Thank you so much for having me, Joe. I just so appreciate your time and the questions and, and you know the energy of the call. is really cool. Awesome. I, I, I as well. And... Uh, Thank you again. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Dreamers Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Dreamers Podcast. Join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Dreamers Podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the Dreamers Podcast, please send an email to j at jpar.co. This podcast is copyright 2014 by jpar.co.